world who's come, come to shine your light, and we want to uh, share that light with, uh, with, uh, with all those who are here, people, people who don't yet know you. And Lord, we pray that you'll use these words to point uh, all of your people to your greatness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you ever have had this debate, but when is it right time to start playing Christmas music? Last November, I mean, sorry, a few weeks back, at the end of November, I started to play Christmas music, and Mary thought maybe it was a little too early. I had to remind her, well, it was officially after American Thanksgiving, which is the official time for Christmas music. The thing is, we want for Christmas to be here. We want to celebrate great Christmas. We want to share the gifts. We want to greet each other with Merry Christmas. But it's not quite time yet. If you're like me, you probably have one of these. It's an advent candle. Um, lots of flaps are open, but lots are still closed. Lots of uh, chocolates still to be opened and to share because this is an advent candle and this is the season of advent which ends on Christmas. Well, advent, uh, that word comes from Latin word, coming. And it does two things. This season is about looking back, looking back to the coming of Jesus on that first Christmas and how he came. But it also has another meaning. It looks forward to Jesus' second coming, how he will come back again. And that's important because Because Christmas, yeah. uh, Jesus, we know that, Christians know that the Jesus' first coming has changed the world. The Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled, uh, whether the doubt of whether God exists, uh, whether He loves us, actually that's been answered. How do we know that God exists? We know God exists because God became a human being in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. How do we know that He loves us? Well, he, because He came. He came to be with us. He lived and died for us. We know all of that. We know that uh, God, in His power, also breathed His Spirit. And the church exists. All of us are here because of Jesus. But the season of Advent is about recognizing the world for what it is. The world that we still long for, the world that is, is as it should be, is not yet here. It recognizes the reality of already. God has already come, but not yet fully. He has not brought the fullness of God's kingdom here yet. And I hope we celebrate that that hope of celebrating Christmas comes in the midst of darkness. Why, one of the reasons why we meet at night and we hold out the hope that we have with the Christmas candle. And we await the Son of Righteousness to come and bring the fullness of that light to the world. And at Jatin Church right now, we're going through a sermon series um, called Christ in Carols as we look through some of the awards and carols carefully and the theology of it. And tonight, we're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come is not an exuberant and joyful Christmas carol, like Joy to the World or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's actually an Advent carol. It's made specifically for Advent. The words go all the way back to 8th and 9th century monks. Uh, these monks sang it as a part of a service called Vesper. So Vesper is an evening service. 
and it actually has seven verses. We're only going to sing four, but it actually has seven verses. And eight days before Christmas, they would add and sing one verse each. One verse, one verse, saying, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And they would await the coming of Christmas. Why do we ask for God to come? Why do we say, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel? Let's take a look at the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. This song asks us to place ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites, Israelites who have been exiled and is mourning, is longing to return home. There are many here who know exactly what that feels like because there are many expats here. Um, expat literally means out of the country, expatriate, here, right? Out of the country. There are those here who, uh, who have not been home for a long, long time. Niels, who left the service, hasn't been home for three and a half years. Uh, back in the Netherlands, my parents have not met Corey yet. My sister has not met my Corey, who's turning two on the 28th of this December. There are people here who back have watched their children's wedding online or a funeral, uh, participating in the funeral online. Many of us miss. Home. But even if you are from Hong Kong, even if you were born and raised here, even if you call this has you call this home all your life, the Bible calls you an exile. You are an exile because you are not at the place where you're supposed to be. And I think, I think if you if we think about it, we do feel that way, don't we? Time to time, we have that feeling of. So, for example, nostalgia, we look back to the past and go, oh, wasn't that better? But actually, was it really better? That sense of nostalgia, I think, says more about our dissatisfaction about present um, rather than the perfection of the past. But we long for a better world, and we long for a better world in the future, too. So many people are moving. They're planning to move because they are hoping that the future, their move will make the future better. But no matter where you go, no matter what job you take, no matter what you do, even in the future, you will have that sense of restlessness. Because you know what? The world is not the way it's supposed to be. And our first reading tells us why. We were created for a paradise. And God created a perfect world in the Garden of Eden. I remember Adam and Eve rejected God, as we all do. Adam and Eve chose to know, determine uh, what's right and wrong for themselves and wanted to live as their own king. And so did we. So the Lord banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. We're made for a place without any injustice, sin and shame and guilt and blame and COVID and 19, the sickness, death. We're not meant for a place filled with these things. Friends, if you've been exhausted this time, as you've been the last two years over the life, you've been exhausted and you're longing for a better home, you're not crazy. That longing has been planted by God. God made you for a better world. It's just that we're not home. We are exiled at the moment. Jen Pollock is a popular theologian who wrote this. To be human is to know the grief of some paradise lost. Each of us, however happily settled, suffer 
suffers of foreboding sense of rupture, as if we've been cut from some hidden source of happiness. We've been cut off from some source of hidden happiness, but Jesus, Jesus came to bring us home. We read in our last reading that Joseph was told to name Jesus, not name God's baby Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to be the ransom needed for God to bring his people back home. So we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. But he won't just save us from our sins. Look what this song calls Jesus in the second verse. O come, thou rod of Jesse. Rod of Jesse. Here's an illusion, another allusion to our exile because this is a prophecy that Isaiah said. Isaiah 11.1 A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah lived in 8th century BC and he prophesied this unhappy message that Israelites were sinners. That they were sinners and that they continue to sin. That God will bring their, uh, the judgment. That they will be kicked out of the promised land. And the tree of Israel will be cut down by God's own hand. He prophesied and prophesied, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, they continued to sin, and in the hands of Assyrians and Babylonians, Israel was crushed and led into exile. They were removed from home. But even as Isaiah preached God's impending judgment, he also preached the message of hope. He said that God will cut down that tree, but out of that tree, what will come? A rod of Jesse will come. A shoot will come. Jesse, of course, is the father of King David. He's prophesying a king would come, a Messiah would come in the line of David, who will be the king and who will restore Israel. We're told in Lesson 5 that Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Well, why? Because Jesus comes from the line of David. Joseph uh, comes from the line of David. Jesus is the Messiah who's come. But the surprise here is that he's not just a king for Israel. He's the king for the whole world. The song goes on, O come, O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from the depth of hell, thy people save and give them victory over the grave. And that's why it was so, so hard for Israelite to see, to see, uh, to recognize who Jesus was, because they were expecting a king over Israel. But Jesus is not just simply a king over Israel. He is the Messiah for not just Israel, but for the whole world. And he wouldn't just save people from the tyranny of Satan, I mean, say the tyranny of foreign powers. He would save people from the tyranny of Satan, tyranny of hell. Tyranny of sin. He was God made man, Savior for us all. Worldwide, about 5.3 million people have died because of COVID. Google tells me about 120 people die every single minute normally. All of us fear the grave on some level, and we do everything possible to try to avoid it. But Jesus came to deliver us from that tyranny. And so he took our punishment on the cross and he went to the depth of hell, but he did something. From that death, place of death, he pried the doors open. Why? The doors that had been closed.
clothes since Adam and Eve, and he rose again. And he rose again. He defeated death. He defeated the enemy. And the church, Christians who follow Jesus instead of Satan, is the, the, the sign of Jesus' victory. He will free all those who trust him from sin, death, and hell. Verse 5 calls Jesus the key of David. It speaks of his authority over the gate of heaven. He will let in all those who come to him. So if you are visiting, if you're an occasional church board, could I ask you to consider who Jesus is? Jesus isn't just Savior of the Israelites, the Jews, or some of us here. Jesus has come to be the Savior over all. And you can ask him to love you even for him to be your Lord and Savior. And whoever calls upon his name, Jesus promises, you will be saved. And on that day when he comes back, things will look a bit different. Things will be as if they were meant to be. Which is why Jesus is called the day spring in verse 3. Well, come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirit by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to flight. He will rid the world of all darkness and all evil. The sun of righteousness will shine, and its rays will fill the earth. And not many noticed Jesus' first coming. It seemed like the most insignificant birth. He was born in Bethlehem, a small city outside of Jerusalem. There was no guest room there, so his first crib was a manger, a food trough, and God chose to announce the birth of his son, not to the kings at the power of the world, but to a few shepherds. Not many noticed Jesus' first coming, but he is the day spring. Day spring is an archaic word for morning star. Morning star, the star that we see in the night sky just before the dawn comes. The star seems insignificant in many ways. Even as the star rises, it's still dark. It's dark everywhere else. But it signals something momentous. It signals the coming of the day. It signals the day coming in everything turning bright. And that's what Isaiah was talking about in our third reading in chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus is that morning star. It seemed insignificant back then. And it still might seem insignificant to many of us. But look at us here. A couple hundred people here. Shining Jesus' light. And all over the world, millions, billions of people will sing of Jesus' coming. That's a sign of who he is. And Jesus will come back. And he will fill the whole earth with his light. That day will come. And so we sing in Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Friends, next week we will celebrate Christmas. But let's not forget why Jesus needed to come. Take a moment to mourn the darkness around us. This past Thursday, I couldn't sleep for some reason, so at 2 a.m. in the morning, I did something that I really shouldn't do, which is to read the news. I read the news, and I read about the Haitian pre president who was assassinated not that long ago. He 
try to do something about the drug traffickers in his country, try to make his country a little bit better, and for that he paid the ultimate price. I read about how in Afghanistan there's an impending disaster. You know, there is the sanction there, the economy is suffering, there's not much to eat, a million people over there are malnourished. And in this, in this Christmas season, in this winter time, they face even death, many of them. A humanitarian crisis, poverty, and injustice are all around us. In the morning I woke up, I just felt so emotional about the state of the world, and that's just on the global scale. Think about your life. Many of us are struggling with life, aren't we? There are parents who are worried about their children's health. That's a tottering blind. There are people here with broken relationships, worries about tomorrow, worries about money, what, what will happen tomorrow. Friends, in this Advent season, we are here to say, it's okay. To stare at darkness and say, it's dark. Darkness is here in this world. It's okay to mourn the losses that we feel. But as you mourn, please do notice the light. 2,000 years ago, God came. He became a baby. Notice the light that you're holding in the midst of darkness. And know that that darkness will be dispersed. The sun of righteousness will come and shine soon. He will make all things right. Now the current version of the song that we're about to sing, Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, it was translated from Latin into English by an Anglican clergyman named John Mason Lee. For a long time, we knew who the lyrics were translated by, but we didn't know where the tune came from. Researchers have found, they did some research, and found that it comes from probably the 15th century Franciscan nuns who used it him as a funeral procession, which explains why it's so dark and melancholy. But that's why it's a perfect song for Advent. We sing this carol in the place of exile. It was sin and darkness and death all around us. But we are not without hope. In fact, we are full of hope. Because Jesus came. Because he is our ransom. Because he is the, the, the rod of Jesse, our Messiah. Because the day spring has dawned and we are a people who have seen the great light. So surrounded by darkness, we will remember and we will sing. Or come Emmanuel. And that song is punctuated by the chorus, isn't it? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That's great. Lord, we thank you that you are God who has come into our darkness, who has shared our humanity, who has died our death risen again, that we might share in your light, that we might share in the light of the world that we And Lord, help us to look to you. Help us to see you as our Savior, for even for those of us who don't yet know you um, today, that they would turn to you. And help us to be a people who have filled with this hope, hope of knowing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.